Dress the History of Fashion is a production of iHeartRadio. Over 7 billion people in the world, we all have one thing in common. Every day, we all get dressed. Welcome to Dressed. The History of Fashion, a podcast where we explore the who, what, when of why we wear. We are fashion historians and your hosts, April Callahan. And Cassidy Zachary. Welcome to the show, Dress Listeners. Today's guest, Karishma Shahani Khan, is the woman behind two clothing companies that encapsulate everything we love about clothing on Dressed. So this celebration of artistry and hand craftsmanship, clothing's ability to tell stories, And perhaps most importantly, the heart and humanity at the core of clothing's production. And Karishma's company, Kasha, is guided by the slogan, happy people make happy clothes. And its zero-waste sister label, Heart to Hot, is inspired by indigenous ideology of reusing, repurposing, and reclaiming. Together, both of these companies exemplify what it means to truly produce clothing with consciousness, a philosophy that we can all learn from as consumers and as human beings on this planet. And we are so excited to speak with Karishma today and learn about her wonderful companies and the inspiring stories and messages quite literally sewn into her products. So welcome, Karishma. Karishma, it's so nice to talk to you today. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk to you and just have a conversation today. So thank you for having me. Please introduce us to your wonderful clothing company, Kasha, and perhaps starting with your inspiration for starting it in the first place. So my name is Karishma Shahani Khan, and I live in Pune, India. Um, I have a label called Kasha, as well as sister label that we call Heart to Heart. I think I started the label back in 2012. And when I started, it was just about making things. Uh, I love to make things with my hand. I've always been very drawn to the idea of uh, handcraft. While growing up, I wasn't the person who thought that she would be working in design and then working within the space of craft and, you know, just in the space I work in right now. But I think over a period of time with my education, I I studied in London. I realized the amount of value that India had to offer, you know, the different things that India had to offer. And I started doing a lot of internships and uh, working in different artisan clusters around the country. And that really made me realize how much textile we have, how much craft we have, how much skill we have. And really, that's where Kasha started from. It was just simply to take all these beautiful, wonderful things around me and be able to present them in different ways to people all across the globe. And that's really how we started. Um, Heart to Heart, that I said was my sister label, is simply where we upcycle all of Kasha's waste. That's how it started off. So that's our 100% upcycled, recycled line, which is only made out of fabrics that would otherwise be thrown away after cutting or leftover pieces. So I think all in all, we're just trying to build a small ecosystem of people, of hands, of products that we love and we want to share forward. Yeah, and I love them. The mission of your brand is so beautiful. It's so inspiring. We we want every fashion label and company to follow, sit up and pay attention and follow your business model. And on your website, you do this wonderful job of highlighting the four pillars of Kasha, which are handcraft slash human, zero waste slash hope, 
innovate slash skill and then community slash collaborate. And I want to talk about all of these foundational tenets, but perhaps starting with the company's heart, which is really human beings. What do you mean when you say that, quote, people are the core of all that we do? I think that so often we've been hearing this word sustainability and it's been thrown around so much. And I feel like it needs to become more about a very deep part of our of a value that anyone has, you know, company, human, whatever it is. And then so often that word is only associated with the environment. We really forget that if we're not treating people well, if we're not able to pay people well, if we're not able to just treat people as humans, it's very hard for them to be able to do very much. You know, you can you can talk about these things all you want, but if a person can't feed their family, they aren't going to be able to understand what you're saying, you know, because we are so privileged. We're so lucky to be able to sit and have this conversation, you know, to be able to do what we do, to do what we love to do. And I feel like as a company that we are growing, we want to ensure that everyone who's attached to it is also able to be, you know, relaxed and be like, okay, I have my work. I love what I do. I don't want to be worried about what am I going to feed my family today? Or how am I going to do this? Or how am I going to make my ends meet? So for me, if I can take people forward alongside me and ensure that their children are educated, ensure that their you know, health is taken care of, ensure that they're just happy, I feel like eventually it's going to translate into a happy product. So for me, I think if we aren't happy as people, we really can't do much. And I think that's just a general philosophy, right? Like the day you're really sad, you're really down, I mean, look at how productive you are, like not very much. So for me, it's important to start from that point and then move forward to everything else. Yeah, and I love what you just said, which is like happy people make happy clothes. And I think it's so easy for us in this like fast fashion world that we live in to forget that there are human beings behind every single thing that you purchase ever, but also especially your clothing, Somebody is behind each and every piece of clothing that you wear. And I think we forget that. You've done a lot of work with Fashion Revolution, which we'll talk about, and their their wonderful campaign, Who Makes Your Clothes? And it's because people just forget the humanity behind the very garments that you wear. I think fashion also has a really beautiful power. You know, it is an industry that allows you to, when you're a part of it, you know, you're working with people across different parts of society. You're working with artisans, you're working with weavers, you're working with you know, people who uh, make your clothes and you're working with a customer who's purchasing your product and you're working with. So I think that we do have the power because every single product we make, even if we don't actually employ someone in our studio, if you're working with cotton, it's still grown by someone. If you're working with another fabric, even if it's not handwoven, it's still, you know, the machines are operated by someone. If it's handwoven, then it's handwoven by someone. Then it's dyed by someone. Then it's, you know, pattern cut by someone. Then it's sewn by someone. So It's just the number of hands that actually touch a single product are immense. And then it reaches the customer. And then with the customer too, if it's really well made and high quality, then it goes to their children. And then it becomes an heirloom. So eventually that one product is so much more than just that one product. Yeah. And what I love about companies like yours too, is it's just reminding us again of the humanity and the clothing we wear, but also just the meaning like invested in each of these pieces that you produce. And to purchase clothing with meaning means you're just a more conscious human being, you know, and it just brings so much more beauty and meaning to your world. And I just love that, that you're doing that through the textiles and clothing that we wear. 
So Central Takasha's mission is a celebration of the artisans who carry India's rich textile heritage and traditions into the 21st century. I'd love if you could talk to us about the role of hand craftsmanship in Kasha and what type of techniques and materials can be found in your mini products. When we talk about handcraft, I talk about um, anything that involves human intervention. I am not uh, against anything that could be possibly a power loom or you know, machine woven, I feel like everything has its own place as technology does and as hand crafting does. Um, I feel like it just needs to be a balance where nothing is completely thrown out of the system. Like you can't take a person and throw them out and say, I will replace you with a machine. That's the only place where I have a problem. Otherwise, I feel everything needs to work in tandem. So when we say handcraft, we're mainly working with handwoven textiles. We're working with, uh, we're sewing on machinery. We're hand cutting all our fabric. We work with block printing screen printing, which are all crafts of India. We work extensively with tie and dye, with clam dye, where we actually individually fold fabrics. So we fold them, then we place shapes on them and clamps, tighten them, and then put them into dye baths. So when they open, you have like pattern textiles. Uh, we work a lot with tie and dye, which is like bandhani. We call it bandhani in India, where you individually tie knots and you know small circles on fabrics to create patterns. We work with batik, we work with uh, hand painting, we work with hand embroidery, we work with uh, macrame, we work with crochet. So really it's about, there is just, and I feel like we've not even touched the tip of the iceberg of what is actually possible, <laughs> you know. So we work with all of these techniques a lot and um, we also work with quilting. We work with this community of women in the city and they do something called godri, where they take all the, uh, you know, all our waste fabric, put it back for us, patchwork it and then hand sew it. So I think uh, when we talk about handcraft, it's anything that a human being is involved in with their hands to make, really. So a lot of different things. Yeah, and it's such, I mean, I'm sure our listeners will immediately look up your company, get on your Instagram and your website, but it's just such a joy to scroll through your collections on your website because it's so colorful. There's so many beautiful patterns. And then when you realize the hand craftsmanship that goes into each and every piece, your patchwork jackets and dresses that you're talking about, I mean, are just incredibly beautiful. So exceptional. I'd love if you could talk to us a little bit about how you conceive your collections. Yeah. Um, so for me, it it could work both ways. Sometimes you just find a really beautiful craft, you know, like I really need to use this somehow. And then you start to build on it from there. Sometimes you find this, this just a thought or a really interesting line you've read or just a really beautiful image you've seen that could kickstart a collection. So for me, it could go both ways. I would say like we take from different places, you know, we take from different ideas. It's nothing that I can be like, oh, this image is exactly what has translated into this idea. So it could be a person we saw, someone wearing something in a particular way. Like I will give you this example. When I was a student, I had come to India for my, uh, my holidays, just before I was doing my final collection. And I saw this man on the street. He was standing at a, at a signal, at a traffic signal. And he was homeless, but he was wearing so multiple layers of clothes. I remember him so vividly in my mind. And um, it started making me think of how interesting that was. I mean, of course, for him, that was, that was it. That was you know, all he had and he was wearing everything and moving around. So, but for me, it felt like there was so much pride in what he owned, you know, what in whatever way it was and just the layers that he was wearing. And, and I feel like that somewhere translated through a lot of my work. A lot of my work is about every time I remove a layer, I see something new, reversibility. How can I, you know, buy fewer, but buy good quality, make them last longer? How can it be 
um, in such a way that the wearer can wear it in different ways. So the jackets you were talking about are all reversible. So you can wear it in, you know, either, either way. Uh, we work a lot with that as an idea. So I think the core of what we believe in, in terms of making it easier for the wearer to wear easier and, and give the customer a little more variety with fewer pieces is definitely something that's important. So every collection starts from different touch points. And most of the times they are very, I've realized this in retrospect, they're very integral to how I'm feeling at that point of time in my life. You know, my first collection in college was called Yatra. It was, that means journey. And journey was basically, that's what I was going through at that point of time. I was moving between London, India, very different countries, very different stories to tell, different visuals. And for me, that was my journey. So my inspiration was India, but it was my India. You know, you may not agree with it and you don't need to agree with it. So I feel like design is that powerful, that it is a very powerful tool. You can look at it in so many different ways and translate it in so many different ways that each process is right. I mean, there's, it's so subjective. I've had such a visceral reaction to your clothing when I see it. It is how I would react to, say, a piece of art because it's so beautiful in so many ways. And there's so many, once you get closer and like examine all the details, I just love learning about all of the different elements that go into each of your collections. You had a collection in 2019 that used handcrafted buttons and ornamentations made of corozo, which is this Ecuadorian biodegradable vegetable ivory that I'd never even heard of. So there's like all of these different facets into each and everything. And I love that you're incorporating all of these different things into your products. I'd love if you could talk a little bit more about some of the craftsmen and women that you work with. Maybe I know you work with embroiderers, you said resist dyers, block printers. Are there any specific that you'd like to highlight or maybe just kind of share a little bit more about their process with us? Yeah, definitely. You know, I, um, one of my first experiences as a student when I was exploring and trying to figure things out was uh, I went into a, a remote uh, part of India and I thought I'm this, you know, city person who knows things, you know, you assume that you assume that you are because you're privileged. Sometimes you feel that your privileges are the only thing or the only way to be privileged. And, you know, that education means something and, you know, everything means something. And I remember that they really set it straight for me. They were like, but that's, that's the way you see it. This is the way we see it. And that made me realize that there are so many perspectives to just how you can view something. So I feel like I've learned a lot from the artisans through my interactions with them. Uh, you know, you go live in their homes, you, you eat their food and you really immerse in that whole experience. And it's been really humbling and it's been really, really exciting. If I have to highlight people, of course, I have a whole bunch of people who work in my own studio in Pune. Uh, most of them are not from the city. They're from UP, which is Uttar Pradesh, which is like towards the north of India, a little bit towards like north, but towards the east. And they are really skilled embroiderers and, uh, you know, cutters and tailors. And they work in our studio. They've been working with us for the last eight years. Then we have weavers who we've been working with for very, very long. We've got this really amazing family who's based in, in Kutch in a part of Gujarat. And they do a lot of weaving for us. They weave Kala cotton. Kala cotton is a, is a textile that's like an indigenous cotton. It takes very little water to grow it because that area does not get that much water anyways. So they found a way of growing cotton with minimal water, minimal pesticides. So we use that cotton a lot. And that family, I mean, every time you call them, they're like, when are you coming? When are you coming? Just come, <laughs> come and stay. And it's amazing, you know. Um, during the lockdown, actually the second lockdown, we also run another business called Lumen Hand where we retail handloom textiles. And the reason why we started that business was because we had so many artisans and such beautiful textiles that we felt we were not doing justice to at Kasha. 
we were not able to use all of those so we really wanted to be able to share that with everyone so more people could purchase from them and they could get more work so lumen hand you know solely runs and sells handloom textiles and during covid last year we ran an event called artisan shop to actually sell the products that these artisans make because one is they do textile weaving also but they also make products like sarees and scarves and you know different products so i think that every interaction teaches you something and there are so many of them honestly that they all are really special and they all have different things that they bring to the table but um, i mean yeah i mean i don't know what else to say about yeah. this well and and dress listeners you can learn more about a lot of these artisans and and especially the loom and hand shop and the artisan shop that you're talking about if you just go to your website which we'll link listeners to um and there's a lots of different things that you can get into there and learn more about your wonderful company and all your different projects that you're involved with so something that i also really love about your creative approach is that you center this concept of conscious storytelling which is so beautiful this idea of conscious clothing in what ways is storytelling sewn into the very fabric of your company and designs? I think like everything, like when we even talk about or we're even discussing an inspiration, you know, it's never about saying that this is what the process starts with. It's always about, okay, what is the feeling? You know, how is it going to smell? How is it going to taste? And that is something that is a brand we, we're trying to consciously do now. So if you come for a show of us, we'd like to give you a fragrance that you enter to. You know, or if you come into a space of ours, we'd like you to be able to, you know, taste a particular kind of food. So I feel like when you enter this Kasha space, it should be so immersive that everything makes you feel like you're a part of that story. And that's something that you're going to take away from there. So I think even when we're, when we're talking about a particular product, every product has a name. You know, we don't say garment ABC. There's no, I mean, no, it's not a coding system. Like, you know, it's called... Lali dress. So it's called Billy dress. You know, we had this Billy jacket and the Billy jacket was na- named after a cat who kept coming into our studio during that season. The cat would just never leave, you know, but the point <laughs> is that every single, and, and I feel like for me, storytelling comes into all of these different aspects. So in our studio, we have this Saturday before COVID, it was even more like we did a lot more now. The last two years have been very hard in general for a lot of different businesses. But every Saturday we sit together and just discuss what is going on. Uh, you know, we tell each other stories, something you may have read, something you may be feeling, something you just want to write about. You know, we have a place on our website where we just tell the people who come and work with us, write how you're feeling today or just write about like your experiences with us. So I want people to just be able to talk about things. They could be fictional, non-fictional, but you should be mindful, you know, of what you're doing. It should not be something you're just a part of or doing just because, you know, I like this dress, I'm buying it, which is fine. It's a great reason to buy something, but there needs to be more to it. So I feel like I want people to be more mindful about how they're approaching us as a brand. And I would like to be able to give them something to be a part of, if that makes sense. Yeah. And again, that, that this idea of conscious clothing, which is just such a wonderful way of thinking about clothing that has consciousness, consciousness and encouraging consciousness on the part of your consumer, but also with the people who are making your very clothes. And again, going back to that idea that happy people make happy clothes. I mean, you, I feel like you hear about that a lot more with food, like people put love into food and you can taste that love, but you can also feel and wear that love in the, in your clothing. And I just, it's so beautiful. I like to add something here. So on all of our tags of our garments, we actually write the person's name who made it, what fabric it is, how it was made, how many hours it took, because we feel like people need to know that, you know, so like we like to talk about processes to ensure that the 
person who's purchasing it also feels like they're a part of it. So we've had customers who actually write back to us. They read the tag. They know the person's name, and they're like, "Can you please thank Asaji for making my garment so oh, well?" That's so wonderful. You know, and it's really nice. So I feel like all of this for me becomes a part of the story. Yes, absolutely. And as someone who's consuming your garments and wearing your garments again, it just makes it that much more special and meaningful. I can't wait to start wearing some of your pieces, (laughs) by the way. (laughs) And once our dress listeners see your website, they're going to know why. I mean, you have so such a beautiful range of products. It's really hard. I mean, you could, I guess, be outfitted head to toe in Kasha products. (laughs) And another of Kasha's core tenants is something we talked about a little bit earlier, but zero waste slash hope. And this is no better exemplified than Inkasha's sister label, Heart to Hot, also created in 2012. Can you tell us about this wonderful extension about your business and how it's evolved over time? Yeah. So Heart to Hot basically means the first heart is your heart, the actual human heart. And the second heart means bazaar or also means hand. So for me, it was just about from the, from the heart to a st- marketplace or from the heart to the hand. And it is a very simple idea of just how can we be less wasteful about whatever we have. And I hate throwing things out. I'm a little bit of a hoarder sometimes. I'm trying to cleanse that out and be like really, you know, less in that space. But um, I didn't want to throw away the waste. So I started putting the waste back into product, you know. I know that by making a product, we're anyways adding to the waste in the world. It's not like we're making that situation any better. But we felt like if we could at least not dispose of things because I've worked in different sectors before I started my own label and I remember I used to work in a production house and the amount of waste that would get disposed of I mean see people still wear it India is a country where nothing really gets thrown away 100% someone else will pick up that material put it together patch it they'll make a quilt out of it or they'll make a blouse and wear it with their sari so that's a very intrinsic part of the culture that we're a part of you know we don't like even a t-shirt you will use it till you wipe the floor with it or wipe something with it and then dispose of it or you will give it to someone. We don't ever pick up something and throw it out. So for me, it didn't make sense to throw it out. It was a very natural instinct to keep it. See, what can we do with it? So we started off with patchwork. Then we did some macrame. Then, you know, we were like, uh, we had patchwork, but the patchwork was to a certain size. We had pieces that were smaller than what was able to be done in patchwork. So we started piecing the really small pieces together, converting them into, the cords and started doing macrame and crochet with those. We went on a drive to collect old clothing from cl- clients who were anyways coming to us. We used to do like sweaters that were knitted out of old t-shirts. So really, I feel that when it comes to the upcycling part of the label, when you have lesser, I feel like you can do a lot more because you really apply your mind to see how can you push it to the next level. Like what else can I do with this? So for me, heart to heart is the part that I find really exciting I also find Kasha really exciting. They both are my babies. But <laughs> it's that part where you really go like, okay, this is all I have. Now, what can I do with this? And uh, we put it back into embroidery. A lot of the embroideries at Kasha, where you see all the flowers and 3D embroideries are made from the fabric waste that we have. So really the two labels are quite uh, joined at the hip. But it was very important to keep it separate because so that people knew that Heart to Heart was only upcycled. So if you see a Heart to Heart label on a Kasha product, that means that Kasha product is 100% upcycled also. So it's really, uh, they have these boundaries and I want Heart to Heart to be more than just Kasha. You know, it is about what can we do with other people? How can we collaborate with other people? How can we do projects for other people? You know, we've had this, we had this really beautiful project recently where someone lost a very dear family member and they came to us and said, the person was a very, had a lot of different textile samples. So they said, we want to make something that we can give to people in the family 
I mean, there was an occasion coming up. Me wanted to be from this textile because it meant so much to the person. And you know, there's we don't understand the value or the emotions that a single small piece of textile carries. And um, it was very heartwarming. It's not just I don't want to throw it away. It's basically like I love it and I want to find value in it and I want to keep it. So what can I do with it? So really, heart to heart is is about what can we do for a lot more people and how can we do it with what is already available. Cass, as you know, we are going to be expanding our fashion history travel offerings this year. Mm -hmm. So you better bet that I'm going to be brushing up on my language skills with Rosetta Stone. With more than 25 languages offered, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and so many more, that world out there is practically at the tip of your tongue. And that's right, dress listeners. For more than 30 years, Rosetta Stone has been the expert in language learning. There are no English translations, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language, which is incredible. You learn by immersion, and their programs are available to use on your desktop or as an app. And let's not forget that there is an amazing built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation, so you learn the proper accent from the very start. For a limited time, dress listeners, you can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off by visiting rosettastone.com forward slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com forward slash today. Dress listeners, we often refer to ourselves on the show as dress detectives, but what if we told you that you could travel back in time and solve your own fashionable mysteries? Because you can, by joining us in playing June's Journey. And April, I can't tell you how much fun I've had playing June's Journey. It's this <laughs> hidden object mystery game with a captivating detective story. It takes you back to the glamour and intrigue of the 1920s with this diverse cast of characters. And basically, each new scene takes you further into the story of a thrilling murder mystery that sets the main protagonist, June Parker, on a quest to solve the murder of her sister and uncover her family's many secrets. You will sleuth with June in the antique parlors of New York, the chic sidewalks of Paris, and you can even build your own luxury island estate where you get to decorate and plant decadent gardens. And there's also a chat and challenge feature where you can play alongside friends. So join us, dress listeners, in putting on your detective hats and escape to a bygone age of mystery, danger, and romance. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. American Giant makes the durable, comfortable spring closet staples you need for work, the gym, and even happy hour. Made in America. Designed to last a lifetime. Get 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with code STAPLE20. You create products. You have a range, for instance, right now on your website, you have like rugs, these fabulous huge totes, which I'm obsessed with, bags, slippers, you have laptop cases, so all these creative uses of upcycled textiles. But then you also have services that you offer. So you restore things for people. And then like you just mentioned, you repurpose them so that they have a second life. So again, there's just all these wonderful, beautiful services that you're offering that, again, are just reminding people about the value of clothing and keeping that clothing in circulation for years and years to come. Something that I, I loved about reading about Heart to Heart is that you talk about how it started out as a zero waste endeavor, and then it became this industry-wide solution for textile waste that cannot be 
recycled? Because you also offer services, I believe, to industry. Can you talk a little bit more about that? So the idea is to be able to offer this service to more than just ourselves. You know, see, I feel like we are, like we are designers, we're doing our thing, but we're also pretty small, you know, in comparison to the larger picture of all the big things that are happening out there. So something that we are consistently working on is how can we actually work with larger setups to find solutions for them for the waste that they have? And how can we work together in a way that's design driven, but still has the mindset of how can I reach a lot more people to adopt this philosophy? And I feel like it is the larger, if the larger industry together comes together, that is when we can really make a huge change. You know, so for me, that is why I said, you know, I, I, I purposefully, very purposefully and mindfully separated heart to heart out with the idea that we wanted to do this for a lot more people across genres, across industries, um, industries also actually, but uh, across the industry in ways that we can help them find better solutions for their waste. And we have people who come to us, you know, we've got larger setups, smaller setups who come and say, you know, I really want to do something, but I don't have the bandwidth for it. So what can I do? Or how can we do this together? So for me, that's a very large part of what Heart to Heart needs to become as we move forward. Yeah, absolutely. And we need so much more of this in the industry. So to have you already as a functioning, successful, thriving model is just such a beautiful example for all of these other companies and smaller companies, but also larger companies that can get creative and create more sustainable ethical solutions and implement those into their business models. I mean, there's really no excuse at this point, right? (laughs) (laughs) No, I'd like to add over here, like what you said, I think right now is also the time for collaboration. You know, one thing COVID has taught us is that if you can't do it yourself, it's fine. Ask for help. Do it with other people. Do it together. You can probably do it better. And I feel like COVID has kind of broken a lot of like these boundaries and these things that we have created around ourselves that, oh no, this is, this is it. This is what I can do. And I will not ask anyone outside. So I feel like if people start to partner with one another, you know, you don't need to have the skill always to do it yourself. If you can do it with someone else, really, that's the best way forward. So for us, collaboration is a huge keyword, huge one. I was going to say that's one of your four pillars, collaboration, community, education is an important part of that. I'd love if you could talk about why this is such an important part of your mission. You just did a little bit and then just highlight some of these different projects because you have collaborated, again, setting the model for different businesses and designers and companies to hopefully follow into the future. So I think for me, collaboration becomes really important because you end up meeting interesting opportunities through that also. Like, for example, we make all these lovely jackets you were talking about if I may say so myself lovely jackets that you were talking about you can they're um, exquisite <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the, the group of women who actually make it for us I met them through a collaborative project it was a very interesting project it was uh, three designers from Amsterdam three designers from India they got us together in one place and they put us together with these women and they said they were quilters they've been making quilts for many many years and they said can you all just work with them in your own way and come up with things you know to just It's not because they don't know what they're doing. They have great skill. But what can they do next? Like, what is the next step? How does this go beyond what it is already? And I feel like that project was amazing because what it resulted in, it resulted in us partnering with this group of women who we've been working with consistently for the last three or four years and building something, a product that we're able to, it's seasonless, also borderless. You know, it could, it works in different parts of the world. Um, And really for me, that is the strength of a collaboration. And that is when collaborations are really successful or are doing really well. I work a lot on education. Like I mentioned, I work with fashion institutes in India. We do workshops with them. We do um, 
I work on curriculum development, um, just figuring out like, you know, what or how or what should the next steps be. We ourselves at Kasha have been doing a couple of workshops and we really want to take that forward. So starting next month, actually, we're starting off a workshop every month on how we make things. And we're opening this up to people to sign up for and actually come on board, work with, obviously it's all online, but work with the artisan, learn how we are making a certain thing, make it with us, ask us questions. Like Like I said to you, we love to chat. We love to interact. So we're just trying to make it, uh, you know, make it in a way where we come from a city which is quite um, not, it's not one of your uh, hotbeds of design or activity or like, you know, things in the industry. But we like to f- believe that we're really well connected with this world, you know, that you and I have connected with him. And we really want to use that in ways that we can reach out to more people and just share what we do. So it's not about saying, oh, I'm a teacher and I'm educating you. It's about saying, this is what I know. This is what I'm going to show you. And if you know something, I want to know it too. I want to learn it from you. And then can we have a conversation and let's see what we can do with it. So for us, those are the kind of projects that really, really excite us. And that's what we thrive on. And, uh, you know, in the Corozo project that you spoke about, the Corozo, you know, the Ecuadorian, uh, the nuts, the buttons that were made out of that, it was a really interesting collaboration for us where we, uh, you know, where we created these, uh, you know, these buttons with, a person who makes those buttons and we had people from Ecuador who were a part of it. And otherwise, how would, how do you know these things? How are you going to learn all of these things? You only learn them when you're open enough to have these conversations. And one of my first experiences in this was back in 2000 and uh, I think 11, before I even started, when I did a collaboration with someone, we worked in a small uh, part of India in, in Madhya Pradesh called Maheshwar. And we worked with an artist who lived in America to get uh, to because she was an artist she made lovely paintings so we took inspiration from her paintings worked with these women who were based in mp did everything online and you you suddenly start to realize how it's everything is so borderless and we're so lucky to live in this age that we can keep learning and collaborating and doing all these interesting projects together yeah and again such a beautiful model and then something that you're telling us we can actually participate in if you're offering are these online workshops something that people around the world can can join Yes, absolutely. The the thing is that uh, we've we've done a couple in you know in the past, and we feel like it's so interesting to have people from different places. It's obviously limited seats because we want it to be not one on one, but like smaller groups of people, so you actually know people's names because that's really really important. But it is something that we feel we want to open it up to different people because it's so fascinating to hear. Like it's just, it's as simple as this, right? The way I say something or the word in my language and the word in your language, the same thing is different, but it means the same thing, you know? So for me, opening it up to like the global audience is very important because it's a part of the learning. Yeah, absolutely. And then something, again, you, you've kind of talked about, but the pandemic has shown us we have this huge world, but it can actually be quite small when we can all come together across the world and talk to each other on Zoom or participate in upcycling workshops together on Zoom and be connected through this shared passion and love and the clothing and textiles we put on our body. And I mean, your company, all these wonderful things you do exemplify that in so many ways. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. Really appreciate it. Karishma, thank you so much for being here. What inspiring business models, Cass. And I was so pleased to learn that they are actively working to share their textile waste solutions with the fashion industry at large, which is super, super awesome. We should all be sharing in this type of knowledge. They are really all about creating both consumer and industry consciousness in so many wonderful ways. 
But don't just take our word for it, dress listeners. You could head over to kasha.com and that's K-A-S-H-A.com immediately to see for yourself. The beauty of their message is embodied in this stunning array of products, which include everything from dresses to pillows to skirts to my personal favorite, these giant oversized totes that everything's so boldly patterned and vibrantly colored. And you can shop by product, so dresses, outerwear, but you can also shop by product type, which I really love. So dip dyed, hand broidered, painted, upcycled, etc. Just to give you an idea of the type of artistry and craft that go into each and every piece. And that does it for us today, dress listeners. May you send gratitude to the people who made your clothes next time you get dressed. Remember, we love hearing from you. So if you'd like to email us, you can do so at dressed at iheartmedia.com. You can also DM us on Instagram at dressed underscore podcast, where you'll find images accompanying each week's episodes. If you have a moment to rate and review us on your podcast listening platform of choice, we always appreciate your support. And as always, special thanks to our producers, Casey Pagram, Holly Fry, and everyone else at iHeartRadio who makes the show possible each and every week. More Dressed Tuesday. Dress the History of Fashion is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you listen to your favorite shows.